0: This time on City Talks, I'm joined by Dorian Gonzalez, Chief Executive Officer at Belvoir, a lettings and property company that started 24 years ago from someone's house and now has a market cap of over £40 million. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dorian. Um, so just give us an overview about uh, Beaver Belvoir Lettings. Um, in fact, let's clear that one up straight away. Which one is it? Uh, it well, it's
1: both. <laughs> I think if, you, if you're someone from Lincolnshire then, um, and you see the name, you would would definitely pronounce it beaver. Um, The the, the sort of beaver reference, in fact, if you wind the clock back a thousand years, the pronunciation would have been Belvoir, beautiful view. Um, It was sort of anglicized many, many centuries ago to beaver. But as we, um, we start to expand outside of Lincolnshire, then um, generally people don't understand why we call it or why we used to call it Beaver. So we changed the pronunciation, uh, much to the distress of many people who uh, live in Lincolnshire, and we changed it to, to Belvoir,
0: so that, which actually would have been the traditional um, pronunciation of the word. Brilliant, that's good to know. So, the business itself, 20 yeah. something years in there. In, in, uh, it is, it yeah, is. it is. A, and it started realistically from yeah. someone's house, someone's, someone's front room.
1: It did, it did. The, uh, the original founder was a um, husband and wife team, uh, Mike and Stephanie Goddard. They uh, they started the business in Sedgwick, working from home originally, and uh, their, their property. Um, at the back garden of the property, um, you could see Beaver Castle, hence the sort of connection with Beaver Belvoir. Um, so yeah, it was started by uh, by a guy who left the, uh, the the forces, left the RAF. He he was a squadron leader, a trainer at Cranwell, and I think like a lot of sort of RAF personnel, they they tend to leave their base in Lincolnshire and, and settle in Lincolnshire. And Mike Mike and Steph did exactly that. Um, that was. Um, about 23 years ago. Um, I joined Mike and Steph 14 years ago when um, when the franchise network had been established. It was very small generally franchisees working you know, at home. We'll come on to the franchise section in a second. I'll explain, you know, what a franchise is. Um, but it was a very small franchise network, um franchisees working from home. And we, we took a decision around 14 years ago to help franchisees move into shops. Right. So now the public will see our shops around um, well all over Lincolnshire. We've got 60, 60 plus branches in, in the East Midlands, most of which are in Lincolnshire. Um, some are branded as Belfort. Um, Some are branded as Newton Falwell, which is one of our other brands, and some are branded as Northwood. Um, And in fact, here in Lincoln, we do have all three of those brands um, successfully operating. And they're acquisitions that the company's made
0: relatively recently, isn't it?
1: They are. So, I mean, we, um, we have around 170 branded Balfour offices, and we, um, under the Balfour brand, we go as far north as Inverness. In fact, we go further north than that. We go uh, further to Orkney. We have wow. one branch um, uh, on the Orkney Isles, um, and we're in Wales, we're in Northern Ireland, so we absolutely spread across the whole of the UK. And there are only so many territories available for a franchisee to, to start a business, and most of our franchisees started from scratch. they built a business organically over a period of time. Um, the very first franchisee is still with us, um, Andy Campbell. He, he, he operates a business in Elgin, just, just outside Inverness, and incredibly, he's been going for 20-plus 20, 20 plus years, and he's still growing steadily, sort of year on year. Um, and three years ago, we, we decided to firstly um, operate what we call a Multi-brand strategy, and that's where, in addition to the Belvoir-branded franchises, we um, we we purchased a business called Newton follower which. If you're, if you're living in the East Midlands, it's the strongest East Midlands agent. In the postcode where Newton Fallowell agents operate, um, they win the most instructions for, for properties to sell. So, so quite a big agency group, um, selling about 6,000 properties a year, significant. Um, we bought the business from Mark Newton uh, and the Newton family in 2015. Uh, Mark still runs that business, so as far as the public's concerned, Newton Fallowell is very, very much still run by a Newton. And of course, Mark's roots are are anchored in, in Grantham with Sir Isaac Newton and Mark is one of the direct descendants of, uh, of, of Sir Isaac Newton, so quite a nice family connection. Um, David Newton also works in the business, Mark's son, and um, and that, that is a very successful chain growing year on year. Um, last year they increased their, their sales revenue um, from a state agency, incredibly, because they're very established. And every year, that network still continues to grow, um, the number of transactions from the same size footprint. Um, So, Newton Fellow was the first sort of foray into uh, having a multi-brand strategy. And then, in 2016, we bought another brand called Northwood. Now these brands are all different, so Belvoir is very much a lettings um, a lettings type franchise. So 90% of all of the business that goes through a Belvoir franchise is lettings, property lettings. That's dealing with tenants, landlords, and then 10% of the business in, in, in a Belvoir franchise is property sales or additional services, so very, very much geared to helping landlords and tenants. Within the Newton-Fallowell franchise brand, um, that's very much an estate agency franchise, so 75% of All of the business that goes through Newton-Fallowell is estate agency, 25% is property lettings. And Northwood is different again, so very much a residential lettings business. 90% of their business, the same as Belvoir, is from residential lettings, but with a difference. Um, Under the Northwood brand, um, franchisees offer something called guaranteed rent. Now, that's not an insurance policy, that's where the franchisee, in essence, rents the property from the landlord, takes on all of the risk of the the property being empty um, and then sublets the property to a tenant. Um, It's an all risk approach, which is very different to, um, to the vast majority of agents and how they operate. So although we have three brands, Hopefully I've expressed the, the <coughs> point that um, they all offer something different within those yeah. brands. I don't think it would make much sense to have three brands doing exactly the same thing, because why would you? Um, but we felt each brand sort of complements each other. Um, nearly all of them are franchise-owned. Um, franchising, to me, is a brilliant business concept. You know, It works well for Domino's. It works well for McDonald's. It works very well for us. You know, It's a proven, tried-and-tested business model. And there are... <coughs> excuse me... There are about 900 different franchise models in the UK. Um, 300 of them belong to what's called the British Franchise Association, so they sign up to say they'll adhere to a code of ethics and a way of operating, and we're we're one of those 300. Um, But it's it's a fantastic business model. All of our offices, and we've got 300 physical offices, all of them bar two are um, franchised, and the two that we own, um, coincidentally, they're in Grantham, which is where we're um, we're based. So they're very easy to manage. If there's a problem, we walk down the high street and, and kind of deal with the problem, and um, and of course that's our sort of home ground. So we were born and started in 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 Grantham. Um, the majority of our staff work in Grantham, and we retain two businesses ourselves. I think from a franchisor's point of view, which is us, it's very good to have. At least one or two businesses that you can use as a test bed yeah. um, that you can trial new products, and it gives us credibility that we can say to new franchisees, we know what we're doing. We run our own businesses; they're profitable, they're growing each year. Um, you can go and see them if you wish and spend some time in there. So it sort of helps with that credibility um, as well. I mean, over the years, people have said, we, "Why don't we just build our own corporate network of, of estate agents?" But, um, but to me, the dynamics are so different between a branch manager.
0: And a franchisee um, that we prefer the franchise model. And just talk about the franchise model for the second. For anybody that might be interested, what type of thing are you looking for in a franchisee? Okay, well, um, someone who's very professional, um, someone that takes customer
1: service seriously, um, generally white collar, because I think with any marketing sort of service driven industry, um, there's a fair amount of IT these days involved. Um, Property lettings is very technical, Um, there are 150 bits of Legislation rules, uh, uh, and rules and safety that you need to be aware of um, on a day-to-day basis. You know, if you get something wrong when you're managing a your property, ultimately someone could die. You know, yeah. if, if it's gas safety or you know some sort of safety issue. So it's so a generally white collar, very professional, someone who who's passionate about customer service, and I think the most important thing is someone who is um, very motivated to grow a business. And you know, there's there's a big difference between someone who thinks they can run a business and someone who actually wants to run a business and wants to get it six days a week, maybe even seven days a week. Um, in the early years, it can be very difficult. Um, it's a very steep learning curve, and the franchisee needs to be very committed. But actually, the rewards are good. Um, our franchisees last year generated um, over £90 million of, of fee income. That's certainly not to be sniffed at, but if you want a share of that, you've got
0: to be willing to put the, uh, put the work in and build a very good team of people around mm-hmm. you. We were talking earlier, and you were saying that one of the things that you really think sets your company apart and the the reason why you know we see a number of high street estate agents kind of yeah. going under yeah. is that the, the difference in ambition and you know the drive when you're the owner of the business rather than working within it is that something that you you know just see as a, a core principle of the success that you're having compared to a lot of yeah. other high streets Definitely,
1: definitely. I mean, the high street has had its problems. Clearly, you know, you, you see that when you walk down, lots of high streets, empty units, lots of charity shops, lots of sort of pound type type shops, and um, you know, I think as as business owners, I think we've all got a shared responsibility to try and drive more people into the high street. Um, but I think there are, there are a few main differences. So first off, um, franchisees genuinely care about the customers they deal with. Um, if they lose a client cost them money personally, straight out of their pocket. That's very different to dealing with an employed team of people or or a branch manager. Um, So the franchisee element is, is critical um, also, having a good brand, a good system, a good website, all of the tools that the franchise all provides means that the franchisee isn't tied down with worrying about too much red tape. They've got some red tape to worry about, yeah. and you can't get rid of it all, but the basic system is there, ready to work, ready to go, so really it means the franchisee can concentrate on growing the business and delivering the service they promise to clients. Um, uh, to me, they're, they're the two sort of key um, differences to, a, to an employee team, um, but then sort of back to the high street. I mean, last year, around 5% of, of estate and letting agent offices closed. And I forecast 12 months ago that over the next three years, 20% of agents will, will close. And they're almost caught in a perfect storm whereby um, fees have been going down because of online type agents. Um, and I'm not saying the online agents are particularly popular, um, they've captured less than 7% of market share, but they're, 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 they've spent millions and well, hundreds of millions of pounds on marketing. So clearly, the public, or 93% of the buying public, still prefer to deal with a traditional agent who you can see. Down with talk to full team of people. If something goes wrong, you can make them accountable. You know, it's not just a case of sending an email. And of course, a local team has has years and years worth of local knowledge to help the transaction take place. Um, that to me has has a value. Um, but agents are now charging less. You know, including us, we're charging less than we were maybe five years ago. Sure. Um, so a lot of the corporate style estate agents who previously charged very high fees for either selling or letting, um, they can't charge those fees anymore. Um, I don't think their, their teams in those offices are as committed as a business owner. You know That's proven time and time again in franchising, and the franchise model is shining through. Um, as much as I'd like to take all of the success of franchising, we can't. Um, all of the property franchise businesses at the moment are delivering really good results. When you compare that to the corporate estate agency chains, many of them are delivering Poor results at the moment. Um, the the difference is, is chalk and cheese. And and don't be fooled about the housing market. You know people are talking it down and saying that you know the property market has slowed down. Transaction volumes across the UK were down by just two percent last year. That's neither here nor there. Um, transaction volumes have been pretty steady for the last five years. Um, the last time transaction numbers dropped in the UK was sort of when the financial crash happened, and then transactions halved during that sort of period, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But at the minute, the, mar- the market is surprisingly steady. Um, I say surprisingly, there, there's with, with the Brexit backdrop, um, you know, all the sort of political uncertainty. Um, it's quite surprising that the housing market has stood up to um, um,
0: has stood firm during that period. But it certainly has. Other than the kind of value of the housing market, do you feel kind of under the spotlight from a from a kind of political viewpoint? Kind of get the feeling that uh, lettings almost seen as like a bit of an evil entity. It's like, oh well, you know, we've been through the stage where they stopped you from um, charging certain fees, application fees, and now uh, currently going through process of, of landlords not being able to just evict tenants without reason, or you know, come to the end of the tenancy. Just it seems like. Hmm. Not victimisation, but it does seem like you're under the spotlight a little bit. Do you, yeah. get, do you think it's a fair assumption that um, it gets a bit more regulated yeah. or do you think it's just kind of political movering for political sakes? Do you know, I think I think some of the decisions are, are definitely more, more political than practical.
1: But but of the two examples that you gave, um, neither of those are new. Um, I want to say they're not new. Um, both of those have already happened in Scotland, so um, tenant fees were... Banned in 2012 in Scotland. You know, we we traded successfully through that period. We didn't lose any franchisees as a result of that, which is great. Um, so that's already happened. Um, the, the sort of no fault eviction. Um, um, there's a lot of chatter about this at the moment yeah. um, to give tenants sort of more rights again. That's already happened in Scotland. But you know, landlords still will be able to get their properties back if they want to move back into them, or if they want to sell them or refurbish them. And and I think overall, as much as um, change is uncomfortable for any business. I think change is healthy. Um, In many ways, it creates opportunities for good, forward-thinking companies like ours. And and I think a better, safer environment for tenants, landlords, buyers and sellers will actually be a good thing long-term. I I think where a lot of the horror stories are in in property lettings, these days, it's not generally amongst agents. It, it's generally amongst private landlords who do do things themselves right. um, and you know I've been a tenant in the last three years um, and I, I rented a property through one of my offices which probably wouldn't surprise you um, but I must say the landlord is fantastic you know we both went through the agent um, it sort of deconflicts any any sort of issues the agent knows exactly where how the landlord should be behaving to keep within the law um, but if you take the agent out of the mix um, although landlords some landlords probably feel they're acting in, in the best way. How can they possibly understand 150 bits of sort of rules and regulations? How can they understand that and keep on top of it? Um, it's not the sort of business where you can sort of Google how, how do I evict a tenant. You know, it's just yeah. not that straightforward. Um, landlords absolutely need a professional working for them um, for the benefit of both themselves and their future wealth, and also the tenant um, who ultimately is, is the landlord's customer. Absolutely, and, you know, they're they're paying the rent. So yeah, I mean, it, you know, change is uncomfortable you know you can't get away from that but i think that you know you wind the clock forward three years i think the sector will be much more professional I think we as agents will all have licences. You know, we'll have qualifications. We'll have licences similar to in Austra- Australia. Australia, um, Wales has already started um, the process of that. Scotland has already started it too. So, so again, back to my point, my, my original answer. It's not new. Yeah. Um, some of it's sort of definitely aimed at um, um, winning votes from the 11 million renters. Um, but ultimately, when when businesses and industries get safer and, and better. Um, it's good for
0: business, you know. Long term. Mm. You mentioned there eleven million renters in the per UK. That's a vast number. Yeah. Is that a growing market? And and with that, do you see almost a bit of a, a change in the mindset of a you know a British person that? generationally owning your own house was something that you aspired to do very early on now you know the average age of renting seems to be pushed longer and longer do you think we'll get to a a stage where renting for life almost becomes a a norm like it is in many other countries or do you think there'll be a kind of a a switch back to trying to get i mean the government's pushing for a million new homes by 2023 or whatever it was there was a a very ambitious um (laughs) claim Um, but what do you think do you think uh, lettings is kind of it will become a new norm, or do you think it's still a temporary solution? I think
1: um, I mean that's um, that's quite a big question covering you know a lot of areas. So if I sort of break it down, and I mean if if you look at the UK um, back in the sort of 1910, 1920, um, 90% of people during that period rented, they didn't own their own property. And, and to me, the property market or property trends are glacial, you know, the sort of change from renting to ownership um, happens over a very long period of time. You know, home ownership um, jumped dramatically during the, um, the sort of Thatcher years, you know, the right-to-buy years, you know, that drive to, to um, allow people to have a stake in in, in in the country by owning you know their their their, their own property, um, you know which, which which in many ways was a good initiative. Mm. In some ways, it was a terrible initiative because you know selling 1.5 million, selling off 1.5 million socially rented properties, and not replacing them like for like, yeah. now is 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 creating a real problem for people who can't quite. Re- Either afford to rent a property, or can't quite qualify to rent a property. What what do they do? You know, and, and I think that is a real problem. So social housing, to me, is uh, probably the crux of, of, of the problem in the in the housing market. We're simply not building enough of them, um, and. In terms of sort of the last last few years, well, private renting um, grew rapidly, um, sort of between um, two thousand and two two thousand and twelve, sort of between the two census states, and um, um, the number of people renting during those those periods broadly doubled. Um, so now we do have about five. If you look at UK-wide, not just England, there are five million properties in the private rented sector, and it was sort of half that level when you when you wind the clock back, you know, twenty years. So it's grown rapidly. However, in the last last three years. Um, the number of people renting has been stable. It's been about the same, and that's exactly the same with home ownership. So both tenures have been the same for the last three years. Now, you, know, you could say that's due to Brexit, uncertainty, you know, whatever it is. Um, but whatever the factors are, it's been about, about the same. I mean, I think that going forward, more people will rent. Definitely, I think the the size of the sector over the next ten to twenty years will double again. Um, you know, if, if you look at some European countries, up to fifty percent, around fifty percent of people choose to rent. Yeah. But there is a difference I, in those countries. I mean, Germany is a good example. Um, there, there's more institutional investors than, than private investors, and that's something the government is definitely sort of starting to push with build to rent or PRS, as they as, as they call it. Um, but I think here, if the government can. Increase regulation, increase the the safety elements, the safety security of, of renting, which the majority of good agents are 100 percent behind that sort of um, um, these initiatives. Um, but I think more people will feel better about renting, um, and and I think you know you mentioned the sort of age, um, um, sort of age. I mean, it, again, my parents, you know, it's sort of indoctrinated that they get married very early. As soon as they marry, they buy buy a property, 25 year mortgage, pay it by 45. All of that has gone out of the window. Yeah. Um, you know, so sort the of first time the average first-time buyer is now what mid 30s. Um, so, so they they've got to do something either live with parents or rent. You know, up until their mid 30s. And and I think now sort of physical things, people are more used to renting them rather than owning them outright. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think many more people now are choosing to rent. And I must admit, as I've been a tenant in the last sort of three years, it's quite liberating. <laughs> um, I didn't during that period. I didn't have to worry about the boiler breaking down which was very unusual you know if there's a problem i just pick the telephone up you know and somebody at the 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 blessings office dealt with it for me um you know that is quite liberating i didn't care whether house prices went up or went down you know i didn't have to worry about a mortgage um socially i mean there are massive benefits in renting but as long as you get it right, so good agent, good landlord, people playing within the rules, um, and, and and then it creates an environment where the tenant feels safe. And ultimately, we we're very much behind that. Um, we we've been sort of pushing high standards for a long time. I spent five years as a director of the Property Ombudsman, which is the UK's biggest property redress scheme. And we've we, as a business, we're very much behind um, better standards. Um, there's a selfish reason in that. You know, it's not all self selfless. The selfish reason is that. Um, that a similar thing happened with the mortgage market in that if the government wants to increase regulation and, and, and make the the sector much safer it 's easier for them to work with a collection of larger businesses. you know we have a training department, we have a compliance team, we audit our franchisees um, you know we have all these systems in place so that our franchisees operate to a certain yeah. standard that 's very different to a, an, an independent agent. Who, who checks them? Yeah. Who, who checks they're operating within rule within the rules? Um, it's also getting more expensive for these single agents to operate. So again, um, a prediction: you know, you wind the clock forward three to five years, and there'll be fewer independent agents operating. And um, businesses like ours will continue to grow, and franchisees will have much bigger businesses covering maybe a slightly bigger area, um, and there will be definitely
0: fewer agents operating in our, in our mm-hmm. sector. And that kind of recipe, the, the high standards, the you know the regulation, and the strategy towards growth. Yeah, kind of fits very nicely in the fact that uh, you were one of the few Linkership businesses that actually managed to float their company six, seven years ago. We did. Um, yeah. Talk us through that, because not many people have been through an IPO, that's for sure.
1: How was it? No, they haven't. <laughs> and, um, and actually, I mean, it was a brilliant experience. I think that you know the, the main reason that we decided to float on the stock exchange was, it was sort of dual reasons. So, so firstly, um, it was a partial founder exit so one of the founders of the business wanted to sell up and go Um, that was Mike's wife Steph and the the more more driving reason, the more important reason was that um, we wanted to grow, and, and one of the the roots of growth um, is that you float a company, you bring on shareholders, and then if you if you want to raise money in the future to, to help further growth, you go back to the shareholders and you put your business plan for them. And you say, look, can I have some more money? And, and you issue some more shares. Um, so that that and we have been back to the market. We've raised money twice since we floated, um, so of two, two tranches, and it really has helped growth. I mean, bear in mind that when we first floated, the uh, the valuation. I mean, bear in mind this was six years ago so the valuation we floated was was circa 12 or 13 million um, we, our market cap now is 40 million so actually being floated has helped us grow treble the size of the uh, of, of the value of the business and we haven't finished you know I think my, my personal um, crusade is to is to get the business Worth um, around 100 million. That will take us some some time to achieve that. Um, but we have a you know a good good plan going forward. So yeah, floating was absolutely fascinating, nerve-wracking. You know, in, in many ways, you know, we're we're property people, we're property and franchise people. Um, you know, I'm not a city CEO as such. I've had to learn this over the last um, last six years. And there's a whole raft of new regulate, uh, sort of rules and regulations that you have to learn and, and live by. And of course, the transparency is um, you know for for if you're talking to who runs a private business, they don't have to tell anybody how much they're earning. They don't have to disclose their salary, the colour of the socks they're wearing. They don't have to tell anybody any of that. Um, but as a listed company, as a, as a PLC, you have to declare pretty much everything. Um, everything has to be squeaky clean. We're audited each year by um, by PwC. Um, and, and, and the auditors check through everything just to make sure that if you want to buy shares in our business, um, we're audited and we're transparent. Um, it, it means that the investment decision um, is based on facts rather than, than yeah. um, sort of having to make guesses. And we perform well, I think, for our shareholders. You know, we, the share price has grown since we listed, um, we've been returning dividend a dividend yield of well in fact at the minute it's about 6.5%. You, know, you compare that return to a bank account or a, you know, a run-of-the-mill ISA and that's a significant return in, in a company that um, has strong recurring revenue. Um, what I mean by strong recurring revenue is that franchise income, franchise or income, from a franchisee spread across all these different businesses. So if one doesn't do very well in one year, you've got the others who, who in theory should do well. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a, it's a risk, um, very
0: risk-averse type, type business model, um, but it delivers strong returns to our investors. So our investors out there watching, thinking about maybe increasing on their property portfolio side in terms of yeah. investment, but not in bricks and mortar, yeah. how would you pitch uh, you know, investment in your company versus one of these uh, tech businesses, your purple bricks or your, you know, <laughs> different models, but um, kind of different expectations. But yeah. I suppose uh, both an interesting investment. They are, they are. I mean, from an investor's point of view, I mean, it depends
1: really what you're looking for. I mean, a lot of our, our investors are um, sort of blue-chip institutions, um, and some of the, the, the funds that we that own shares in our business um, are IHT funds, um, you know, they're looking for a strong return every year, you know, pretty much a guaranteed return they're looking for every year, so they can return that to their investors. Um, and. Um, dividend yield. Uh, I think dividend and dividend yield. We're profitable. Always return a dividend. We've never missed a step on the dividend. And although although there's less um, of the speculative element, you know, I'd, I'd be very surprised if our share price jumps from. I think it's about pound sixteen today. I'd be surprised if that's £10 tomorrow. You know, it doesn't have that speculative yeah. element. In fact, I'm very surprised. <laughs> <Basically, it's laughs> be right. um, but I think that's pretty <laughs> unlikely, you know. Yeah. And, um, um, so it doesn't have the speculative element, but it has that sort of safe element, and the dividend is, um, is extremely good. Um, you know, we're a rock-solid dividend payer, and, um, and generally our investors are very um, very happy. We meet with our main investors twice a year um, to give them a sort of full update, and uh, we are starting to see more retail buyers, you know, looking at the, the dividend yield. We had a brilliant article in Shares magazine um, a week ago, and, and from that um, we had quite a high volume of shares being traded, right. um, but the dividend yield is, is the most attractive part. So, you know, there are two ways to join our business, really. One, you can buy shares Um, you know, good dividend yield, um, good future, good strategy and sort of proven business model. Um, We've never missed a step on the dividend Um, or you can join as a franchisee, Um, you can buy an existing business Um, so if, if a franchisee, let's say in Sheffield wants to retire, um, you could buy that business as a running, um, so it's more expensive to buy, but it's, it's almost risk-free because that business is running, it's profitable, it can pay off any borrowings that you need to buy the business in the first place, You know, you can do that from profit, or you can start from scratch. Um, as long as we haven't got somebody already covering that area, which in Lincolnshire is very unlikely, but we do have, you know, we do have one or two sort of free areas. Um, obviously, you can join as as a client, you know, landlord, tenant, buyer,
0: seller, um, but the business ways of joining are shareholder, franchising. You ever thought about expanding the operation outside of the UK? You've got a model that works. In Europe looking interesting.
1: Um, do you know, we've, we've thought about it, but it hasn't really gone much further than that. And um, I mean, what a lot of UK franchisors do it if they've got a model that works well um, in the UK. They, they generally grant a, what's called a master franchise to somebody who, yeah. who may be in France, Spain, China, wherever. Um, it's something that we're interested in, so if you know anybody who <laughs> <laughs> might want a master franchise somewhere, you know, we, we'd certainly consider it. Um, we're not actively considering it for, for one main reason, that we still think We've got unfinished business here. Um, we can still we're growing very strongly. You know, we've had 22 years of unbroken profit growth. We still think we can t- continue that growth from the UK, um, but we'd certainly consider you know sort of commercial options if um, if they presented themselves. Very strong roots in the residential sector, but commercial
0: yep. premises of interest.
1: Definitely, we, we do a little bit of commercial, um, but but only, only a very tiny amount, and um, we are actively looking to um, to launch that across our network at some point in the in the future. Um, it'll be the sort of near term, not the not the long term. Um, we're also very um, interested in block management. Um, at some towns have got lots of blocks, you know, going up. Lincoln is a very good example. Yeah. Student blocks, residential bro- blocks, um, even industrial blocks, really. You know, you've got all these blocks that sort are of being built, and you need a good quality block manager. Um, a lot of blocks are managed by businesses. 100 miles away from the block, and that's not always the best way of, of, of managing these blocks. And um, If we've got a franchisee working and operating in Lincoln, let's say, um, we want to give that franchisee the system so they can actively manage some of these blocks. Um, so yeah, that's something else on the, on the horizon. Um, the other sort of um, area we're looking at very strongly is mortgages. Right. Um, two years ago, we didn't have any mortgage advisors. Now we've got 127. Um, we, we actively launched uh, our, our sort of mortgage proposition earlier this year. We bought two businesses to help us do that. Um, one was uh, two years ago, and the second one um, was in December last year. So this year, we're going to see the upside of this new mortgage um, business that we've launched, um, which will certainly help us grow our, our turnover um,
0: and our profits this year. Fantastic. A uh, slightly uh different take, but I'm interested in your opinion on it. We often hear that the high street is dying, you know, the the retail elements of, you know, a a street where people will congregate, go for Saturday mornings, does seem to be on its way out unless things change. Do you think that has a, does that have any impact on the fact that you have your bricks and mortar shops more often than not yeah. around the high street location? Yeah. Uh, and B, you know, what, would, what what would be from your point of view as a chief executive yeah. that's continually growing a business? What would yeah. you be doing or saying to the, the retail owners at the moment? Yeah. How how, to, how would you improve their lot? Yeah, I mean, sort of. Although we call our our,
1: our franchises shops, you know, because they are retail units. Um, Bear in mind that we don't we don't actually have any products that we sell, so you can't you know we don't have any shelves, we don't have products that you can buy. Um, Our product is our service, and our service is delivered by our people. Um, So really, we need somewhere for our people to sit (laughs) to deliver the service that they're they're delivering to their clients. So really, to me, our our shops aren't simply somewhere for the for the staff to sit, for them to conduct business, for clients to walk into. Um, We don't get a lot of walk-in traffic these days, Um, but it's a good advertisement, it shows that we're a credible business, Um, and when you're tied to a shop lease, it means that you're going to be there, or generally it means that the business will be there tomorrow. If you're dealing with someone and they're operating from their car or operating from home or a very small serviced one-desk office, um, do you really know that they'll be there the next day? So it gives us that sort of permanent feel. And on average, franchisees employ five people. We've got some offices that employ as many as twenty, and we've got some that are sort of husband and wife teams. But when you've got five people, they have to sit somewhere that's appropriate. And um, you know, sitting at home with four staff members just isn't the best thing, the best way of operating. I have seen it in other (laughs) other businesses, but to me, it's not the best way of operating. Um, So yeah, the locations to us are important. Um, I mean, there are so many reasons why um, you know the high street sort of has isn't functioning well, from parking. to planning to sort of online shopping, um, but being in the, in the service industry, sort of management service industry, where where we operate, um, we, we see you know a strong future in um, in, in the sort of high street. And if anything, it's helping our franchisees to drive costs down. Um, you know, rents now cheaper if you want to want a retail unit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I also think from a managing agent's point of view, there will clearly be more residential in town centres going forward. Um, so as retail units um, sort of close and they can't be filled, um, I think offering that sort of unit up as residential rather than purely yeah. commercial um, makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, that will attract businesses in um, to service, you know, more of a residential um, client base. But no, we're, we're still very,
0: show, very pro um, sort of shops and, and, and high streets. Interesting. And finally, Dorian, I can't not ask the B word. Um, yeah. So we still don't really know where we are with Brexit, but no. from your company's perspective, have you kind of had to put in place any um, mitigating factors? Have you got Plan Plan A and Plan B, depending which way it goes? Or do you think realistically it could be business as normal?
1: Do you know, I, th- I think it's fair to say that it's been entirely business as normal. You know, we we have on one side we have tenants, um, a fair fair percentage of tenants who who are from outside of the UK, um, but. That the, the tenants generally haven't all, ex- you know, sort of disappeared from the UK on mass. That simply hasn't happened. Um, we don't export any products. We don't. We don't import any products as such. Um, we're very pro UK. Um, you know, we're, we're UK born and bred, sort of, and, and we only operate in the UK. And and it's had no, virtually no impact on us at all. When I want to say virtually. The only the only impact that it's having um, in the wider landscape is that property transactions are starting to flatten off. And I think when you've got Um, a period, when there's a period of uncertainty, people can start to hold back on making major purchases, whether it's a holiday, whether it's a car, whether it's a um, a moving house. Um, But saying that, I mean, we've had this uncertainty now for three years, Um, people now I think are just getting on with are just getting on with their lives. I know I am. <laughs> um, from a business point of view, in, in the first year or so, we were more careful with investment decisions because the uncertainty was sort of at fever pitch level. You know, sort of two years ago. Um, but now we just we just business as normal. Um, we're still growing. We've grown successfully over the last three years. And interestingly, I mean, we we traded even if the economy takes a downturn, we have traded successfully through two recessions. The biggest one, obviously, being 2007, 8, 9, 10. Um, and our business, um, business thrived during that period so I think when there's uncertainty there's also opportunity.
0: Dorian it's been a pleasure, thank you for coming to talk to thank us. Thank you.